The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM, where we always go into all the crazy and all the exciting and sometimes some life-changing technologies that suddenly fade into the background, like AI, like faxes back in the day, like computers, like mobile phones. All of these things have completely and utterly changed the way that we entertain ourselves, the way we operate our businesses, the way we live our lives, the way we do our shopping. There's basically no part of your life on a day-to-day basis or even on a month-to-month, year-to-year basis that has not been impacted, changed, and somehow, in my opinion, vastly improved by the use of technology. And uh, I think it was a great writer who once said that uh, technology is a little bit like magic. So the magic of the old ages and the magic of today are very different, but they're pretty much silicon driven in these days. And we're seeing more and more and more technology quietly invading our lives. And the big threads, the big trends for 2024, as far as I'm concerned, are going to be the final and sort of total integration of artificial intelligence, algorithmic type intelligence, embedded in absolutely everything that we do, from your mobile phone to your word processor, well, word processor, old term, but anytime you write a letter, when you write a WhatsApp on the new Samsung devices, it'll tell you, hello, we prefer you to say this, or we recommend you say this, it sounds better. If you want to be more forceful, you can say it this way. So as little as a hello, good morning can be changed to a, a full beautiful missive to your loved one uh, simply by the tap of an AI button. So all of that is coming. It's coming fast. And the first, well, the second actual big technology event that is hitting the world in the next two weeks is World Mobile Congress. I will be attending, trying to find out more about everything. But in preparation, we're going to talk about uh, 5G and beyond basically 6G, not coming till 2030. I'm not going to steal my own thunder here, but there's a lot of changes, a lot of digital stuff that is evolving into the new era, which the next generation of mobile communication will usher in. And we'll talk a lot about that at 1020, so, oh, 1120, sorry, stay online and and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. But right now, a lot of little interesting things are, are popping up. And one of them is the whole world of streaming and DSTV being the big player in South Africa with regard to video entertainment, certainly with the, the satellite systems and the amount of content that they offered over the years. We all remember sitting around waiting for the latest show on DSTV for normal old school, you know, live streaming. It wasn't even streaming then, but live broadcast of of so many programs and then you'd had to wait a whole week for the cliffhanger to be resolved well those days are pretty much gone now with binge watching and live streaming of so much content the landscape has changed dramatically and if you're prepared to get a little inventive with your use of location you can pretty much watch anything from anywhere at any time and i think that sums up the world we live in anything anywhere anytime And that makes a huge, huge difference with regard to 
what is happening and what is going on. And DSTV as a major, not only content provider, but as a major content creator has played a pivotal role in South and Southern and Africa with regard to the amount of content, the amount of products, sports certainly, but the world is changing under their feet. And in their latest sort of um, big push to try to pretend that everything's in, in the right place, they're talking about their big streaming plans going forward. I think there are two major problems. One, they're very expensive. And for most of us um, these days, with, with our belts tightening and the costs of, of everything in South Africa, it's becoming really difficult to justify the huge cost for the full premium bouquet, along with all the um, bits and bobs that they add on to make it. We're talking, well, close to a thousand, if not more, a month just for that. I'm not arguing about the value. I think it's good value. I think they do a great job. And in the context of the South African environment with a weak rand and the prices of streaming products going up globally, um, I think the pricing is fair, if expensive. But the reality in South Africa is that it has become difficult. So they are they announced they pleased with the initial response to customers regarding their um, clampdown on password sharing and, and streaming uh, restrictions. You essentially can buy a streaming product with one stream, one concurrent stream, which for me is pretty damn useless. If you've got a family of two, three, four, You've got a streaming service like DSTV. The kids want to watch cartoons in one room on the iPad. You want to watch it on their big um, TV. You need to be able to stream multiple streams, certainly from one IP address. And that is technically entirely feasible, but they've stopped you. If you want another stream, certainly a mobile stream, you pay 100 Rand. If you want this, you pay another 100 Rand. By the time you finish this nickel and diming, is definitely not going to do much for DSTV and for multi-choice with regard to their, their retention and growth. So I believe they need to do a lot more. I believe that most of us, I'd love to you know, send me an email at uh, or send me a, a WhatsApp to FM about this, but I think that in many, many respects, we're talking about the sunset of the traditional model. And I think DSTV and multi-choice have got bigger problems. They need to really get with the program and understand the mentality and the availability of streaming and the everything now, everything online, everything on demand era that we're in is going to quietly kill their DSTV decoders and certainly over time reduce their impact in the entertainment world considerably. And that's not actually a good thing. The main reason being is they spend a ton of money um, building and creating new content all the time. And that's great for everybody. Great for the countries we live in, great for the countries where they operate. But I think they've missed a trick of the costs and the mentality around streaming. So enough of that for now, but I think there's going to be a lot of change. There's rumors they're being taken over. Let's see how that changes their, their, their outlook. So <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of change coming in that space. And on another era of something that is changing fundamentally, now a lot of people may have heard of Cisco. They were and are pretty much the plumbing of the internet. Cisco routers, routers, tomatoes, tomatoes, have been the fundamental building block of, of the internet over the, the entire internet arena. Many have copied, many other players have got involved in that. But when it comes to networking, Cisco are the big daddies. 
And the world of networking is changing. And this is something we'll discuss a bit in the 5G and beyond conversation. But everything is going mobile. Everything is going virtual. Everything is going AI-assisted. And in the latest sort of uh, announcement from Cisco and their results, results season, they announced that their, their um, turnover was down by more than a bit, one and a half billion dollars. Their share price dropped by 5%, and they announced that they're cutting 5% of their global workforce, something around 4,000 jobs, as they reorganize to take advantage of more high value or high profit areas in their business. Now, they've recently acquired a software company, security and observability company called Splunk, which is a pure software play with the exception of maybe a tiny bit of hardware. But essentially, as a hardware company in the network space, they've realized that networking has gone virtual. For the most part, the plumbing, the cabling is irrelevant. Everything is virtual. All the security, all the um, way of, of routing information, all the back end, certainly in the telco space, which used to be super proprietary, everything was special and carefully created only for mobile. Today, it's all commodity stuff, commodity chips, commodity everything. So Cisco, another company in the big tech change that's coming, they certainly have the resources and the scale to survive it. But in the meanwhile, there's no question that there's big changes coming to the networking space along with pretty much everything else. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe. Generally try to get some interesting people to join me. It makes my life much more interesting and yours, I assume, as well. But um, today we are going to be talking in preparation for Mobile World Congress, which is starting not next week, Monday, but the following week, Monday, in Barcelona. And Mobile World Congress started off as a collection of mobile network providers and their service providers talking about mobile technology per se. But over the years, it has evolved into a global technology conference for pretty much anything to do with the industry of communication. So not only mobile communication, but any communication. And as the various evolutions, 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, now 6G have come, the industry has moved ahead in leaps and bounds, mostly to supply the futuristic technologies that are being built from these new abilities and new communication speeds and everything else that's going on. So 5G is not really, let's pretty much start with that. 5G 4G, everybody is pretty much used. It's been around for many, many years. It gives a much better experience for YouTube and other things on your phone. It allows you to, you know, use the internet in places where there are no cables and you can't do anything. And it became the de facto method in which the vast majority of people connect. In fact, 2G and 3G networks across the globe, including South Africa, are being shut down because they are separate and different technologies. So they couldn't be evolved any further. They were, they were discrete. They ran two networks, one on top of the other, 4G, 5G, and sometimes three networks with a 2G network. In Africa, 2G is still still around, still going quite strong. The odd MMS or SMS gets going and everyone's happy. But essentially, the digital world ushered in 4G, which is a fully digital platform, and that has evolved into 5G. 5G was a big deal. 5G really took um, 
mobile communication into the next level. We're talking about one gigabyte speeds. We're talking about significant capacity improvements. And we're talking about the way that you could interact through a mobile connection with rel relatively low latency. That's the time the signal goes from your mobile to the server and back wherever that server is. And keeping that latency low for a lot of communication purposes, WhatsApp, voice, um, gaming, any form of instant type video following made it really an amazing technology. And for the most part, 5G still has got a long way to go. We're going to get 5.5, 5.9G over the next couple of years because 6G will only be ratified and probably come into commercial use towards the end of the decade, 2029, with full sort of commercial ro rollout around about 2030. But thinking about it now, understanding where the technology is going and understanding how it's going to impact us is pretty fundamental. We've all been hearing about the, the AI revolution. We've all been hearing about the virtualization of pretty much every type of hardware product that existed before. That's um, tying these threads together. Hence the, the changes that Cisco, a hardware company, are undergoing. And all of this is linked to what is coming in the future. So I was reading a really insane article where people can use virtual reality, the launch of the latest virtual or mixed reality headset by Apple certainly is going to do a lot to bring virtual reality to the market. And I'm going to digress very quickly. Virtual reality with Meta has been, and with others has really been going along for many, many years. And it had a real place in the market. And somehow, it always takes Apple to turn something into an overnight sensation. So it's not been overnight. In many, many cases, the experts I've spoken to and the time that I've spent with the Meta Quest devices from, from, from Meta have been amazing. The quality is incredible. The facilities they offer are unbelievable. The pass-through of video for virtual reality is pretty insane. And right now, I would say that is probably the best product on the market. They're expensive, um, but they are, and they're not really available at, at scale in South Africa, but they certainly are some of the best virtual reality, augmented reality uh, products on the market. The Apple device for all the, the hype around it seems typically Apple, beautifully made, superbly executed, unbelievable ecosystem or growing ecosystem of software that will really help to make it mainstream. But technologically, perhaps, perhaps, let's not get into the politics of this, but perhaps a little way behind. But this is where it gets super cool and super interesting. With the current 5G technologies, the ability to stream and to connect and to use these technologies seamlessly is pretty good, but it's not in any way, shape or form perfect. So what um, has been launched quite recently using these type of technologies, and it works relatively well, is something called an avatar. Now, not the normal online avatar you're talking about. But imagine, now this is proper science fiction, um, but they are trying it right now. Imagine that a store in New York had a range of little robots that you could connect to with your virtual headset. You would then wake up this robot, walk around the store, interact with the store managers or the products by physically touching it, uh, well, virtually physically touching it, and seeing and hearing and interacting as if you were there through a virtual 
robot type avatar thing. Now, this sounds like complete science fiction, but they are trialing such devices right now. So imagine you want to go and visit Mount Kilimanjaro. They put one of these at the top and you can walk around and see as if you were there without being there. The, the trick in all of this is ultra high bandwidth, ultra low latency um, capabilities. And mostly it has to be through some form of wireless connection because you're not going to trail heavy cables around with you. These units have to be autonomous. They have to be wirelessly connected. And they certainly need to have the ability to to work in instantaneous real time. Now, physically, the time it takes a signal to reach from South Africa to New York is 184 milliseconds. And that is simply operating at the speed of light and then another 184 milliseconds back. Now, you try to operate something like a robot, walk, talk in real time with, a with nearly a half second day, try just try that in real life. Try to walk down the road, but pause yourself with half a second delay before you do anything. Get super jerky and super uncomfortable. Now, the promise of 5G over 4G was lower latency. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And 6G is looking to bring that latency down to 0.1 of a millisecond overall. So you're now talking about ways to connect with unbelievable speed, instantaneous. I was schooled by an engineer. Real-time does mean means microseconds. Near real-time means milliseconds. So <laughs> it was quite interesting. You never, you never argue with pure techie people. They get extremely pedantic about the facts. And in most cases, they're right. However, moving on to what 6G is going to offer. 6G is now working across multiple different frequencies, whereas the old 4G, 5G technologies tended to focus on certain frequencies. 6G is going to have the ability, again, through the rise of technology and AI and the ability to create multiple bandwidth radios at very low cost and very high efficiency. It works across millimeter wave, which is, means tons and tons of very small uh, base stations, not all these big towers that you see right now, although they will remain, but lots of repeaters, including your Wi-Fi network at home. All of those are going to be able to be rolled out at scale and at speed and at be and be managed um, via AI or or artificial intelligence type network operating systems that will bind all these various things together to offer terabyte speeds of data transfer at near instantaneous um, delay. So if you can imagine the amount of information that your mind picks up at any point in time, absorbs the sound the vision, the taste, the smell, everything to do with a virtual experience. Can you imagine the sheer amount of data that would take from a virtual device and being able to push it to you directly wherever you are in the world in a way that it feels natural and easy? We're talking about literally terabytes of data being moved around the world at all times. And 5G took that aspect of network data to, the, to a completely another level, an order of magnitude improvement over 4G. So if a thousand phones could connect to a tower with 4G, a hundred thousand phones could connect to that same tower at the same sort of efficiency and speed with 5G, which is an unbelievable um, improvement. Now the same level of improvement, so it's not all about speed and it's not all about you know just being the next big thing. 
It's the sheer capacity and ability of the networks to feed thousands upon thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people's feeds at the capacity and speed needed to do these advanced tasks. Because again, we all take for granted the things that we do. So if a, a virtual reality or a mixed reality type feed with a little, maybe not such geeky glasses, but through a, like the movies again, through a, a pair of glasses, Ray-Ban and Mita have been doing it. You may have seen this. I've been trying to get hold of a pair to play with, but they've got a set of glasses that are all hooked up and ready to go. So this is not so far off. But imagine all that information being fed backwards and forwards, mostly video, but you can add a ton of other type of feeds, audio, video, oral, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the location data. All of that is, is going by thousands and thousands of people through one network point. You can imagine the need for efficiency. And this is exactly what 6G is going to bring. And at Mobile World Congress, I've already experienced some of the Nokia had a, a very, very experimental um, installation last year where they could use it to locate people and then beamform information to those people when they were just wandering around. So something like that could be simple as this. Here's a real practical thing. You walk down a corridor on your way off an airplane, you clear customs, you check everything without speaking or seeing or stopping at all. The computers read you, read your face, read your information, everything about you, check you in, check you out, no more customs, no more delays, no more anything. Now that type of technology is already starting to be rolled out in some aspects, but it'll become unbelievably more immersive. We won't go into the privacy side of it because you're being watched by Big Daddy wherever you go. However, it's this type of growth in the sheer capacity, ability and capability of the connectivity that we all take for granted. So your phone may ultimately not be the primary interface. It may simply be voice. Your, your um, computer in the home will know you, will see you, will feel what you're feeling, will handle what you're doing. And uh, it really makes a huge difference in the way that you work and the distributed network infrastructures that 6G and the more advanced forms of 5G will bring will certainly facilitate this next world of immersiveness with regard to technology. And I know this all sounds like crazy pie in the sky, but there are so many trials and I've booked or booked, I've tried to get into as many of these as possible to understand how completely insane the level of technology has become combined with sensors, combined with so many other things that make our lives easier, that will anticipate our needs in, in, in a logical and proper fashion, will make every experience we have or every interaction we have with businesses more seamless, far less friction, far less delays, ordering, buying, selling, supplying, dealing with our daily lives should theoretically become way simpler way smarter and way more personalized. And we've all heard over the years that personalization is key and it's super important and we have to, everything is heading in that direction in a, in a, in a particular way. And sometimes you still feel like a number, you still feel like a generic person in, in any arrangement. And hopefully with all these various um, technologies that are coming, we are definitely going to see an improvement in that because the amount of data 
I mean, already Google, the amount of data that Google has on you, me, and everybody who uses their platform is beyond insane. They can probably build a virtual uh, a, a human out of you without much uh, need. I'm not saying they're reading your emails, but they're checking everything you browse. They're taking note of absolutely everything that you do online. And all of this information is stored, managed, and processed subject to privacy laws globally in a manner that allows products, services, and companies to tailor their offerings to you in ways that you cannot even begin to uh, understand. But just to wrap this up, the, the new world of, of 6G and 5G advanced processes and applications are going to bring the following key things that we're gonna watch more and more. We're gonna see full sensory digital and augmented reality for those type of technology. So touch, feel, smell, vision, you name it, a complete digital ability to work across. They've got it in, in medicine right now in certain ways, but they're gonna take it literally to the next level. You'll have absolute feedback and touch in real time, and all this type of stuff will come more and more. Artificial intelligence or the algorithmic ability to store, to think, to figure out things will become part of the network. It won't happen anywhere other than directly on your phone, directly on the device, the, the electric gloves you're using, whatever, at the edge. The processing will happen there. It's not going to happen in the cloud. It's not going to happen at some server somewhere because of the latency effects. But all of that's going to happen on the edge. And yet, will need to communicate with others and other platforms at incredible high speed. Industrial internet and automation will become, and smart factories will become ubiquitous. It's going to be so easy to control these various elements and to have them operate semi-autonomously simply because of the sheer amount of connectivity and intelligence that can be built into every single process. They'll be self-correcting, self-healing, self-directing, and all it would need is a little nudge in the right direction, and they'd go off in a seamless and simple fashion. Human beings should be that easy to, to, to manage, but it's coming. And also, as I said before, tactile haptic internet, where you can actually feel and touch and control objects far away as if they were in your hand where you are. And one of the hugest and biggest changes that is coming is healthcare. Virtual healthcare, you'll be able to consult with the best of the best anywhere in the world, almost as if they were in the same room, pretty much at any time. And this can have a fundamental change on the way healthcare and everything to do with healthcare and everything to do with the way that um, healthcare is managed. Already, MRI machines across the world are connected across a smart data platform. So when your doctor does an MRI, the machine itself can compare that MRI to tens, if not hundreds of millions of other MRIs with similar issues around the world and suggest, currently we're not taking anything away from the top doctors that are out there who really know their stuff, but no doctor can see 10 million scans in the space of a lifetime and draw conclusions from all those millions of scans. So medicine is going to fundamentally change in the most remarkable ways that you could ever imagine with, with the, hopefully, the capacity for the best being able to help 
anywhere in the world. So it doesn't matter if you're at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, whether you're at the bottom of the ocean in some little sub, it doesn't matter. You will be able to access in real time the best, the best type of medical attention, care, and understanding that is available across the world at absolutely no delay. Cost will be a whole nother thing. So 6G will not replace 5G in the near term, but certainly the evolution of these online and mobile technologies will become the de facto way, the backbone, the core, the inter, the, the not Intel, the um, Cisco stuff that happens at the very core with all the cables running around the world will still remain. But essentially, we are going to see a completely wireless, hyper-connected world that is coming really sooner than you think. We're talking in the next three to five years. So on that note, we're going to have to take a quick break for our sponsors once again, and then we'll be back with a cool gadget I've been playing with, somewhat illegally in some places, but we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, moving on to a cool gadget I was lucky enough to spend some time with in the last couple of weeks. And um, it has been quite a rev- revelation in many ways. And that is called the DJ Mini Pro um, drone. And <laughs> the reason the reason I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused about what it is, is that drones globally have become a bit of a challenge. Many of them are used, tons of them, they're used for all sorts of things, for wars, for checking out buildings, for a ton of different stuff. But for personal use, they've seemed to have faded a little into the background. There's a hardcore crowd out there who love them. And the main reason why they've become a little bit restrictive is one price. Good ones are pricey. This DJ Mini Pro, Mini 4 Pro is roundabout with all the extras that you need and extra batteries and controllers and whatnot, somewhere around 27,000 rand. So it's not an inexpensive toy, but it certainly is an absolutely great fun toy. You can get them at Incredible. You can buy them all over the show, but they are light. They are a couple of like 250, 270 grams, super light, easy to carry. They fast incredibly so. The cameras are exceptional and they're actually unbelievably exciting. So wherever you are allowed to legally use them, there are restrictions all over the show, globally more so than even in South Africa, but there are very strong restrictions on where you can use a drone. So for privacy reasons, for lots of reasons, but if you want to go out into the wild and take the most insane pictures, if you want to start a little business and start showing people their roofs or things like that, drones have become an incredibly easy and useful thing to play with. Now, the latest version, this the um, the four, has taken the the use and easiness of drone flying, even if you've never touched a drone before, to the next level. It's got a lot of built-in safety, which is really cool. So it will avoid stuff and manage it all by itself, intelligence on the edge, uh, along with all the various sensors that are built in. So they've also upgraded the camera to full 4K at 100 frames per second. So you can take the most insane slow-mos. You simply do it through the software and the connection back to your device, back to the controller has been improved substantially. So you get further, you get brighter, you get clearer, and you get far better pictures. 
and some of them are absolutely insane. But what really, I was not a big drone fan. I've never played with drones for a lot of times. I play, I've, over the years, I've spent time and I've played with a number of drones and it's great fun. But I've not spent enough time with one to really get to know what is available. You don't need any flight training. It's really unbelievably simple, very easy to use. The drone itself seems to teach you. It avoids trees. It avoids other obstacles. And it it behaves in a way that makes it extremely easy to guide and to use with the various um, controllers that you can have. It's also super lightweight, so it's easy. And it gives you about 45, 50 minutes, depending on your speed and all sorts of things uh, of, of, of flying. And the batteries are fairly easy to swap out and to use. What impressed me the most was the quality of the cameras. It's, as I said, a full 4K, 100 frames per second um, camera with full HD. You can have amazing slow motion. And with the colors, it's got a, this is real tech stuff, and um, I'm not going into it, but it's got 10-bit D-Log-M and HLG video quality. Simply very high quality, which with very high efficiency, with compression that allows amazing pictures that are professional in most respects um, at very, very far distances as well. So really an unbelievable amount of, of technology that is, is put into it. Um, there are propeller guards which stop the propellers from getting damaged. And generally, it is just the most remarkable device in many, many respects. Easy to unclip, easy to use, light, fast, <laughs> I can't even begin to say um, what more you can do. But anything, you've got master shots, quick shots, hyperlapses and panorama plus, all easy to switch between, easy to use. And once you, um, you've finished, they've got an app called the Light Cup app, which allows extensive editing options, which runs really well on any platform that I've tried. And there are a ton of other accessories that you can add, obviously, at extra prices. So if you've been on the, what's the right word, on the fence or on the drone about whether drones are something you want to play with, something you want to experience or, or use for whatever reason, mostly I would say for if you're doing any form of creative work, if you want to add some incredible, I mean, if you're an avid photographer and you love taking wildlife, Drones take that literally to another level. But again, be careful. Some places allow you, some places don't. But essentially, um, you can do the most ridiculous things. One of the coolest things I did was something they call Active Track 360. It allows you to track subjects autonomously for creative shots. You link onto them, and the drone continues to accurately track your subject regardless of the direction that they move. So if you're doing some wildlife shots, there's a uh, some elephants or whatever it is that you're tracking, you can lock onto one of them and it'll follow them for quite a while without any input from you. Simply you can watch, you can stream, you can see exactly what's going on with no, no input from yourself. And when you want it back, one push of a button and the drone comes home. So <laughs> it is without question one of the coolest little toys that I've played with in many, many years. It is really impressed me with the level of sophistication of its software, how well and how easy and how simple it is to use overall. I'm not saying I didn't make a few bumbles. And it's actually quite tough and hardy. The odd time that it didn't land quite the way I expected, or there was a bush in the way, which it did try to avoid, except I somehow switched the drone off. Um, 
it, it survived pretty damn well. So overall, an incredible, incredible device. One of the best in the market, hard to say, but for the price and for the capacity and the capability, this is definitely one of the ideal devices for both professional, because the quality of the video, the quality is in that league, no question. And for private use, it's really, if I had to give it a rating, it's four and a half to 4.8 out of five stars. One of the coolest gadgets I've played with, you can pick it up pretty much anywhere. The old Mavic 2, the Mini 2s um, and 3s are still available, still very good, but this one really has reach the level of sophistication and quality that is pretty hard to beat at the money. It's not cheap, but it's a great, great toy. And on that note, we have a quick ad break, and I'll be back with a, a lastminute.com suggestion. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And I renamed the last segment of the show lastminute.com. Because unfortunately for many of us, lastminute.com seems to be the way that we operate these days. Things change so fast, so uh, you just take care of things. But something that I forgot about and then was handed down, handed the new one to play with. It's not another gadget review, but it is actually a gadget. And that is the new Kindle Paperwhite 16 from 16 uh, gig from from Apple. And I've been using an iPad for reading for many years, and I've been using various uh, Kindles. But I must say that the experience of using a book is a whole nother league. In fact, it's become a bit of a pain. They're heavy, and if you're tired and you're reading at night, they fall on your face. Not cool. But the new Kindle Paperwhite certainly reminded me that distraction-free reading is a huge benefit. So whichever Kindle you get, all it does really well is put a book in front of you to read. And the art of reading, immersing yourself in a book, seems to have faded a little of late. We watch YouTube videos or TikToks or you name it before we go to sleep. Probably not the best thing for a restful evening. But reading a good book, the magic of reading has not gone away. I think many are discovering it again. And the best way to read a book for me in the digital age today is to use a Kindle. Now, the prices of the Kindles have gone up, unfortunately, exponentially between three and a half and 5,000 Rand in South Africa. This new one is not yet available in South Africa. It should come fairly soon. That means parallel imports, but expensive. Who knows with Amazon coming shortly? Um, but if you can get any one of the paper ones, either the six inch or the 6.8 inch, they truly, truly change the way you read. And a lot of other types of documents and books to it. You don't have to only use the, the Kindle store. But then again, Amazon's Kindle store is now pretty much price for price the same as anything you'll buy in real life. And it certainly gives you access to trillions, more well, trillions, maybe I'm overstating, but millions of books out there that are well worth reading. The only thing I still have a problem with is that discovery and the sheer amount of books makes it a little difficult to find exactly that book you like off to exclusive and browsing through the shelves still feels more natural. But that being said, if you want a distraction-free read, you want something that's easy on the eye, relaxing wherever you are on the beach, um, at home, by the pool, in bed before you go to sleep, I highly recommend a Kindle Paperwhite. It's got the best combination of, of close to paper pictures, 
and it just feels, works, and is so simple and easy to read. And the joys of reading without all the distractions of pop-ups and, and the, the temptation to watch the last uh, TikTok that you your friend recommended or a WhatsApp message with some pictures is really interesting. It makes life just a little slower in those minutes before you go to sleep without any single distraction. So something I'm trying to impress on my wife to do because she loves scrolling through Facebook and other things um, before she goes to sleep on her iPad. But I think the whole concept of immersing yourself in a good book without any distraction in a simple, clean manner is exactly what the Kindle does. Again, for the money, it's probably quite an expensive way to do it, but it's certainly cheaper and easier than having a stack of books next to your bed. So check it out. Go online to take a lot. Um, go to Amazon. Have a look what's available on that in that space. And as I said, all of them, the new ones have greater capabilities. They're a little bit faster, um, slightly sharper, bigger screens. But even the standard, least expensive Kindle Paperwhite is an absolute pleasure to read. I've got one of those. I, you know, compared it. Hardly any difference other than slightly smaller, maybe not quite as sharp, um, but overall, absolutely no hassle reading those books. So lastminute.com, stop those distractions, have a really restful read, immerse yourself in some of the classics with millions of free books and millions of other books available across the world electronically. May not be the same as the smell and feel of a real book, but it's certainly convenient. Pop it in your bag, take it with you wherever you go on your travels. So on that note, I'm going to call it a day. Enough technology for one moment. I will be reporting live, hopefully, from Mobile World Congress. We'll see how the connectivity and the capacity goes. But expect a lot of information about all the latest in technology, the latest in mobile technology, and all the new gizmos and gadgets at, at Mobile World Congress in the next week or two. A lot of it pre-show, but the show is the end of, of Feb, and I will definitely have lots to talk about then. So stay tuned right here on High FM to Tech Talk. Same time, same place, next week.